Friends, welcome to This Week in the Way of Jesus, a podcast hosted by the Eighth Street Church. We are a spiritual community of hope and transformation that is trying to live this way of Jesus. You'll find both weekly spiritual practices and weekly sermons on this podcast feed. For more information about the Eighth Street Church, please visit our website, www.8thstreetchurch.org, or social media pages linked in the show notes. greet you in the strong and powerful name of our Lord Jesus Christ. My name is Chris. I get to be one of the pastors here at the H3 Church, and uh, I want to invite our kids who are nursery and early childhood, if you need to take them on down, you're welcome to do that at this time. Uh, The church observes time differently than others do in the world, and we tell different stories than the rest of the world. The thing that we say often around here is that we're on a different calendar. We've been through Advent and we've gotten through Christmas, and now we're at the beginning of a new season. It's not just the new year, it's a new season called Epiphany. Epiphany is the season of astonishment, and the first Sunday in that season, the first Sunday in the season of Epiphany, is a day called the Baptism of Our Lord Sunday, which is why we've been talking about baptism. Now, some of us think that we know what baptism is because we've been baptized or we have seen baptism done before, but baptism is one of those things that actually needs to be experienced. For two millennia, the church has baptized people as a sign of initiation and a sign of adoption. Baptism is a seal. You are sealed to God and you are sealed to God's people when you are baptized. You are sealed to a group of people that stand up for a justice, a group of people that do what's right, a people that are about courage. And what empowers the people to do these things is that they follow in the very way of Jesus. Jesus was baptized. We heard that just a minute ago. And when he was baptized, the Holy Spirit descended on him and a voice from the heavens spoke as he stood in the water and the voice said these words, you are my son, Whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Do you know what I would call this kind of an experience? I would call this experience an encounter with grace. Baptism. It's a sign of something that God does in you, but it's more than that. It's more than an initiation or even a seal of adoption. And while it is those things, it is more than that and can only be described in a story. The church has been encouraging people who have been baptized to remember their baptism story. So today, I'd like to tell you my baptism story. I was 19 years old when I was baptized. I can see the 19-year-old in me, in my own mind's eye. There was so much that that kid did not know. And uh, there was so much that he didn't realize that he didn't know. I don't know exactly what compelled me to be baptized as a university student there at college church on the campus of Olivet Nazarene University. I didn't know what compelled me back then, but but I know now. It was grace that led me to those waters before I even realized it was grace. As a young person, I encountered God before. They were, these encounters were real and these encounters were honest. I went to camps, I prayed at altars beside my bed in dorm rooms and at dinner tables. But it was in those waters that I guess that I could say that I became a Christian. It wasn't because of some sudden decision that I had made for God, but 
But I had done that before, and a thousand times I had failed at that before, but it was then that I realized that God had made a decision for me. I was baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and that was 27 years ago. And and since that day, everything, and I mean everything, about my life has been altered. Every good thing about my life has flowed from those waters. My whole world, even when I didn't realize it then, was turned upside down and has been since my baptism. Since my baptism, grace has encountered me at every turn. It has been at every crossroads, every corner, every decision, every single move. There have been times when I've pushed back on grace, when I've ignored it, tried to resist it, but it won't let me go because I've been arrested by grace. Grace has followed me everywhere, and I cannot get away from it. I don't fully understand what I was, I I didn't fully understand what I was doing, but it, it was there, grace that captured me, and now I've become a slave to it. There have been times in my life when I've doubted since that time. There have been times when I've rebelled, times when I didn't want this life anymore, but grace just wouldn't let me go. I've tilted, I've fought, run from it, tried to step out and stamp on it. But then there was grace and it had its claim on me. I'm entrapped by grace. It follows me. It stands ahead of me. It won't forget me. It always remembers me. I try to shake it, but it won't shake me. I think about the trials that I've faced in this world when they came to me and you know what was there? Grace. I think about the seasons of darkness in my life. And do you know what was there the whole time? It was grace. I think about the times when I've been so, so disappointed. You know what was there? It was grace. Since my baptism, I have fought grace, rejected grace, surrendered to grace, hated grace, been angry at grace, and I have been grateful for grace. But every time and at every turn, I have found grace. Grace has shown up in people. Grace has shown up in a feeling. Grace has shown up in a prayer. Grace has shown up and been there when I've been afraid. Grace has found me in a movie, in a book, in a classroom, in a conversation, in a midnight cry, in a barrel full of tears, and in belly laughs. Grace has shown up in indescribable presence. Grace has shown up when I've been angry and hurt and depressed, and even when I've accused grace of abandoning me. The scriptures say that it's new every morning, that grace is always available. And while everything else burns out or gets dry or old or boring, grace is ever fresh. This week, I got a, I got a call here at, the, here at the church in my office from a man named Mark. And uh, he wanted to bring his father, Dr. Lynn Myers, over to the church because Dr. Myers grew up in this church in the 30s and the 40s when he was a little boy back when it was the 8th Street Methodist Church. Now, Dr. Myers is about 90 years old, and he walked his son Mark and I and Pastor Banning around the church uh, telling us about different things that he remembered from when he grew up here. And then we stood up here in the sanctuary, and while I was standing here in the sanctuary with him, he said to his son, Mark, I want to show you the place where I became a Christian. And he walked about 15 paces, about to where Rachel is right there. And he sat down in that spot. And he said, God met me. And every good thing in my life has flowed from that moment. You better be careful you're in the secret spot. 
is grace. It'll hit you. When Jesus was baptized in the waters of grace, he heard these words, you are my son, I love you, I'm pleased with you. In that spot, that's what happened to Dr. Myers. And that's what happened to me in the baptism waters. I grew up in a Christian home, and many of you know my mom and dad. They're the exact same today as they were when they were 30 years old. They haven't changed at all. They haven't changed in their consistency or their faithfulness or their personality even. But you didn't know me. You didn't know me when I was young, and I have changed entirely. I was an insecure, sad, angry, and broken kid for most of my young life. And looking back, I lived in lies. I felt tortured and misunderstood. I expelled a tremendous amount of energy trying to hide who I really was from my folks and other people and even from myself. Maybe that is where I came up with the idea that maybe we could be a community of people that would be free enough and secure enough to try to tell the truth. I grew up swimming competitively, and while I swam 11 months out of the year, and I did thousands of laps, and at one point, we were swimming up to seven miles a day, the truth was I spent even more, tw- I spent even more time swimming in the pool of self-loathing. But in my baptism, in a new pool, I was immersed in new waters. They were the waters of grace. I don't know how it works, or what it even means for baptism to work. I just know that it had done a number on me. As a teenager, when I was young, getting ready to leave the house at night, my dad would say to me, hey, remember who you are. I never knew that, what that meant until I was baptized. It meant you are my son whom I love. I'm pleased with you. And I've realized since that God has no grandchildren. Each one of us through grace is invited to become sons and daughters. Unlike Matthew or Luke, the gospel writer Mark pushes back all the details about births and angels and manages to place us at the front in in chapter one, us in the front and the center. And in my baptism, which now I share with Jesus, I've heard from this day forward, you are my son. I love you and I'm pleased with you. I've heard these words over and over and over again since that day. I've heard them when I've been lonely, when I've been afraid, when the days are good, when I've been tempted to go back to the self-loathing, and when I didn't have the power to embrace this truth of grace. But even in grace, then I was given the ability and the power to believe it. Martin Luther said that you should think of baptism this way. It's the daily garment that you get to wear all the time grace around every turn, grace at every corner, grace whether I knew it at the time or not. It's grace. And I didn't realize what grace was going to do to me. Some Christians, some Christians I know resist being baptized. Some resist being baptized because they're embarrassed or they think they've waited too long or maybe they've done too many bad things. But some realize that it will change them. And they're just not ready to make this change because there'll be too much to give up or that change will be too hard. And I get that. I've been there. And they're not wrong. Still others think that they've already been saved. There's nothing else they need to do. They're already on the road to heaven. They made a decision and prayed a prayer so they don't need it. After all, they say, we're not saved by what we do. And my response to that is, you got more guts than I do because after all these years, I've learned who I am and I'm never going to turn down the opportunity to receive the full measure of grace. I'll confess, 
I really didn't know what I was doing before I was baptized and what it would do to me. Others can see it before they're baptized, and they, they see grace, and they want to plunge headfirst into their baptism. They see and can taste and touch it. They know what, what, will grace, what grace will do to them. Grandpa Watson, who's my wife's great-grandfather, found Christ at an old revival on a wintry day in Ohio when he was 20 years old. The experience that he had was so overwhelming that if he, he asked that if he could be baptized right there, but the only problem was is there was no baptistry, there was no pool. So they picked him up and carried him out to the pond through the snow a couple of hundred yards away from the church where they then smashed through the ice and he was plunged into the icy waters and experienced the only word that I know, grace. James was 13 years old when he was baptized. He found a little Methodist, he found a little Methodist community when a neighbor came and picked him up and, and took him to Sunday school. And when the pastor asked him if, if he'd like to say anything before he was baptized, James said, when my, parents got my, when my parents got divorced, I thought my life was over. Then I found you. You're the people who have shown me how a family can look without brokenness or abuse. I'd have never made if it wasn't for you. Thanks for becoming my family. Beverly suffered from scoliosis and attended a church where I served. She had problems walking and navigating steps. And when she decided to be baptized, we offered her the option of being baptized through pouring or sprinkling uh, it, it, because, uh, because the climb up to our baptism pool was about 20 steps. But Beverly said, no, I want to be immersed into grace as much as I can be. So she then said, that's why I've been doing stair training with my physical therapist for the last two months. That woman knew how to prepare for her baptism because she wanted to receive the full measure of grace. Celeste was just a tiny little girl that wanted to be baptized at a church where I served. And she was clear about that. The only thing was she was terrified of water. She, she would sign up to be baptized, and then when the time would come, she would back out. She did it again, and then she did it again. But one night, she went to her parents, and she said, I want to be baptized, but I'm scared. Can you sign me up for swimming lessons so I don't have to be afraid, and I can get what God's best is for me? She knew what she was literally getting into now. It was grace. My friend Miriam, who goes to this church, wanted to be able to she wanted to be sure she could see everything that was going to happen at her baptism. She didn't want to miss anything, so she wore her goggles. Baptism, like the Lord's Supper, is a sacrament. And John Wesley said it's an outward sign of an inward grace. God does something for us that we can't do for ourselves. In grace, baptism remembers us to God, meaning it makes us connect with God, and it remembers us to one another. And you know, and it has been said before already this morning, we need God's grace and we need one another. And I'm so grateful that God accepts me and so do you. It's changed my life. Now, maybe you can't remember your baptism story. Maybe you're like Watson. You were too young or you didn't know what you were doing or you just got in line with everybody else because they were doing it. And that's okay. It's not about what we do, but what we allow God to do in us. And it doesn't matter how grace met you, but that it did. And we're only baptized in water once, but we're baptized into grace every single day. And just as grace helps us live into our baptism, we also live from our baptism. 
So whenever you encounter grace in your everyday life, you're experiencing fresh and anew the work of baptism in you. And I think that even if you can't remember your baptism story, it's the stories of others. You can see your own baptism story in the stories of others. It's first seen in Jesus' baptism story. I think that's why Mark records it. And then it's seen in mine, and then Watson's, and then others around you. Maybe you were baptized as an infant and you can't remember it. Let me just say to you, let me tell you how blessed you've been. If If you were baptized as an infant, as a baby, that means that the first words you heard that were spoken to you by the people of God were grace words. You were accepted by God's people even before you did anything. Back when all you could do was cry all night and keep your parents exhausted and mess your pants and puke on yourself 30 times a day. People smiled at you and they said, we welcome you. We love you. Isn't it just like God to invent a community like that? They proclaimed love over you before you could doubt it. They proclaimed love over you before you could confess it yourself. They proclaimed love of you before you could earn it. And they told you, even though you have nothing productive to contribute to, to contribute in this community, you are the son or the daughter of God, and you are ours too. Like us, you didn't do anything by your own effort, but God did this through Christ for you. This grace that we find in baptism, it helps us to see the world as God sees it and as God intends it. It helps us to see the holy and the sacred and the God in all the spaces and all the places. God is over the waters, so Psalms 29 says. God is in the thunder. God is the voice that says to us just the things we need to hear. Baptism, uh, excuse me, Pastor Banning told me a baptism story one time where he heard, that he heard, and it went like this. There was a young teenage girl horrified by the acne that was showing up on her cheeks, and her dad watched as she became more and more insecure, so he decided he was going to teach her how to wash her face. What a wonderful act of grace. He took her into the bathroom, rammed the warm water, and said, okay, honey, this is what I want you to do. Put the soap on your hands, then put the soap on your face, And when you wash it off, look into the mirror and say, as you splash the water, I am a beloved daughter of God in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know what we call that? We call it grace. Maybe you've never been baptized before and you're thinking, that sounds really strange. Baptism sounds strange. Something is pulling me and prodding me and even prompting me to want to do that. To that I would say, Good for you. I, I, I want you to be able to, I want you to be able to receive the full measure of grace. Now it might be that you feel a little bit guilty or worried. No worries. Grace will follow you after your baptism. But grace is also the thing that's pulling you and prodding you and prompting you before your baptism. Grace helps us live into our baptism. We know, as we heard from Paul, who shared with us from the skies. The world heard a voice. And then above the waters, the world heard a voice. What sounded like thunder, there was a voice. And what Cheryl, my mom, shared with you, the voice said this, this is my son, this is my daughter. With him, with her, I am well pleased. You know, when 
When Jesus was baptized from the sky, a voice thundered, and God's voice was over the waters. And I think that Mark had Psalm 29 in mind when he penned the, his version of the gospel. Psalm 29, uh, Psalm 29 was for exiled people who have heard time and time again how powerful the gods of the nations and the gods of the cultures were. These gods did not love. They were violent and brutal and angry and insecure and temperamental. They could cause chaos and heartache and hardship. And the people would sing to those gods and they, these gods were to be feared because they would smash people down and they would show up in the chaos of the seas and in the thunder of the skies. And those gods seem to be alive and well even today because you remember that on Epiphany three years ago, January 6th, we watched as it seemed that those gods threatened us again with fear and violence. We watched all day as protesters spit in the face of democracy and peaceful transfer of power. We watched as folks hung Jesus save signs next to gallows. We watched as leaders trying to hold on to their own power, even as the lives of innocents were threatened. They, gave, uh, they let that happen by giving concessions and making excuses. It seemed that those gods were alive and well. well. It was a terrible day. And over the last three years, there have been a lot of statements made. But I'd just like to say this to you, my church, that we are shaped by a new story and shaped by these holy days and the stories they tell. And on this epiphany, I want to ask us, do you remember what the Magi did when Herod incited violence. They went another way. That way was the way of grace. And Psalm 29 is the song of praise that one sings when grace has overtaken her. She can't help but sing it because she knows grace comes from the God whose voice rumbles over the waters, whose voice is in the thunder who just by calling out can break the beams of those who think they can overtake nations. And we read about the baptism of Jesus out of Mark on Epiphany, and we read Psalm 29, not because we are afraid of the terrible acts and the terrifying acts of this God and this God's power, but because we have heard the voice, the voice that has come in the waters, the voice, that, the voice of love in the thunders. And it goes like this. You are my son, you are my daughter, and I am very pleased with you. That is what baptism of our Lord Sunday and Epiphany is all about. So I invite you to sing with me. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. And delivered me from every fear. Those who look on him are radiant. Never be ashamed. Never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard me. And save me from my enemies, the Son of God surrounds his saints, you will deliver them. 
Well, we are baptized once, but we are welcome to the Lord's table every single week. And some don't think that you should come to the Lord's table every single week because it'll lose its meaning, it'll lose its specialness, but we do it because it is special. It's special because it's grace that we receive every single week, and we need that grace at every turn and in every chance. So I want to invite you to this table of grace and remind you the story of grace. This is the table, not of the church, but it is of the Lord, and it is offered to you, and it is made ready for those who love him and those who want to love him more. So come, you who have a lot of faith, but also you who have little, you who have been here often, you're welcome. You who have not been here so long, you are welcome as well. You who have tried, you who have tried, you are welcome to the Lord's table. And you who have failed, welcome to this table of grace. Come because it is the Lord who invites you. And it is his will that all who want him should meet him here at this table. On the night before Jesus was betrayed by those he came to save, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you and whenever you eat it, I want you to remember me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, held it up and said, this cup represents the new covenant that comes in my blood and whenever you uh, drink it, I want you to do so in affectionate remembrance of me. This is Jesus' table and all sons and daughters are welcome to this table. We want no barriers, so our bread is gluten-free and our wine is non-alcoholic. But I invite you to come down the center aisle with your hands cupped, ready to receive that which is good and that which comes from God. We don't take communion here. We receive it because it's grace. Grace is a gift, and you just can't take it a gift. So perhaps on your way down, those of you who have been baptized, you want to dip your finger into the baptism font to remember your baptism, knowing that you are held fast by God in Christ even when things in the world seem shaky. When you come to one of these servers, though, I invite you uh, to allow them to serve you, listen to what they have to say, then dip the bread into the cup and eat it. If for any reason you're unable to come down our aisle, just wave at Pastor Andrea. She'd love to come and serve the elements to you. Uh, so, friends, when you're ready to receive the grace that is made available to you, I invite you to the Lord's table. So come when you are ready. Friends, each week we invite our congregation to respond to what they've heard by entering into a weekly spiritual practice. You can find the episode to the practice and enter into this way of Jesus in the podcast feed. May the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you wherever you go.